The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Hello, and welcome to The Views Room. Chinese President Xi Jinping has been on a rampage lately, and has got investors really nervous. Has China become uninvestable? I talked with Chen Yawen and Jennifer Hughes in Hong Kong to find out. Hi, everyone. I'm Pete Sweeney. I'm here in Hong Kong chatting with Chen Yawen and Jennifer Hughes, and we're here talking about the massive uproar that is underway in Chinese financial markets and Chinese listed firms offshore as well. At the root of the matter is a crackdown, intensifying crackdown by President Xi Jinping's government on a swathe of different sectors, ranging from after-school tutoring to real estate to financial technology and so on. Investors are worried about the direction of travel and they have bailed out of, of stock markets. Chinese equity markets are the worst performing in the world at this point. Some analysts say that over a trillion dollars has been wiped off the value of listed Chinese companies in China and abroad. Um, that number may be getting higher even as we speak. Yawen, give us some context here. What is the government trying to accomplish? What is the common thread that China is trying to, to do here um, with all these crackdowns? Sure. I think a recent meeting uh, convened by President Xi Jinping at the very top level of the Communist Party really has uh, fleshed out what he wants to accomplish, you know, with all these crackdowns. So one catchphrase that's being widely circulated in Chinese media space right now is common prosperity. With this campaign, I think his intent is really to restrain the ultra-rich while expanding the middle class. Um, so that really explains why he's cracking down very hard on China's biggest internet giants and where we're seeing, you know, Meituan's Wang Xing, um, Tencent's Ponyma are really stepping up the charity efforts, either from the group level or the personal level. So this is basically China attacking the inequality theme seriously. Like they have gotten a lot of criticism from economists and other societies of like, how can you, how can you let these people get this rich and powerful? And how seriously do you take it? I mean, the government has has done a lot of damage to some of these companies. I think it's it's actually quite serious. Um, so the day after we, like you said, we saw Tencent having this common prosperity fund of 50 billion yuan. And Pinduoduo just announced that they will have a 10 billion yuan uh, program for rural rural projects, rural revitalization, which is a key project under President Xi Jinping. Um, so we're seeing a lot of actions from the companies themselves voluntarily, and it wouldn't be surprising if there will be more measures coming from the government as well, like um, um, include increasing taxes or other measures to to redistribute wealth. This is also related to the the birth policy that China is trying to push through and having more babies, expanding the labor force. They're worried about aging population. So tackling inequality is really important for the government this, at this time. Okay, and uh, Jen, I don't think a lot of people disagree with the goal, you know, that that she has said of like we need a bigger middle class and less ridiculously rich people. I, I think pretty much everybody is is on board with that in theory, but the approach seems to have really thrown off investors to the extent that I think MSCI saw fit to come out and say that, you know, we don't think China is now uninvestable, which implies that there are people who do think that you now cannot touch Chinese equities with a 10-foot pole, no matter what. Well, I think people are going to have to get beyond the idea that China is or isn't investable. That's a bit like saying the US isn't investable because I didn't like Donald Trump or something like that. Um, it's the world's second largest economy. 
it gets treated like an emerging market, which it still is, which means that people are in or out. But at the same time, it's really just too big for that. Investors hate uncertainty. And, you know, I struggle to remember the number of things we've had cracked down on in the last few months. And the last six weeks or so, particularly since DD Global listed in the US, and we suddenly had the cybersecurity regulator come out, we seem to have had one after the other. But if we look further back, there's another series of things, as you've already mentioned, most of them have been cracked down on. But one thing that's really noticeable to me about what's been going on in China is that there's a real split. It depends what index you use, and there's no one index. You can't turn to the S&P 500 for China. And it's a point I keep making time and time again. Like, for example, if you look at MSCI China, which has got a lot of offshore stocks in it as well as onshore, and mostly still offshore, you're down 15% year to date and down 2% in the last month. If you were holding the CSI 300, which is mainland blue chips, a fair number of state-owned companies within that, you're down just 0.6 for the last month and 6% for the year. If you hold the Shanghai Composite, which is even more stuffed with SOEs, you're actually up 2% in the last month, which is actually more than you get from the S&P 500. So this is real divergence. All the things that have been hit hardest are all the things that foreign investors in China love the most. So big tech's been massively want. Um, you look at AI and other frontier type tech as well, which is the cool, sexy stuff that everyone has been looking at, that analysts have been talking up because it's fun and it's interesting, exciting. That's been hit too. And you look at consumption. That's another sector, as Yarwin's been saying, that she has gone after directly. So everything that the foreigners liked investing in most or talked up as the sexiest sectors are the ones that have got hit the hardest. What's what's the new sexy? Like what what where's the rotation gonna go for the people who agree with you that you just need to pick your stocks a bit more carefully? Talking about data security, I mean we saw today that Tim Hortons China, which is going for a SPAC deal in the US, is now setting up a separate company that will not be owned by the main company to manage its data. So even coffee chains are being affected by what's going on. Look, I hate to, I hesitate to put the word sexy next to state-owned enterprises. These are the stodgiest, most sluggish companies in China, and no one's wanted to touch them for the longest time. But at the same time, that's what's in the Shanghai Composite, and that's what's been rising. Well, it's it's interesting, some of the companies that have come up and come down. So like Maotai is this luxury liquor maker, and they're just getting hammered by this. But I mean, you've got other companies that are you know, set to benefit from this, you know, that are state owned. And, and a lot of that seems to be around data security, in addition to the standard strategics with silicon chips, which is anything where, where China's trying to reduce its, its reliance on American hardware is clearly a buy. But it's just, it's just interesting where you see things going. I mean, the robotics push apparently is back. So that was a big strategic priority. And then it didn't really work. And now they're back at building those champions and those shares are starting to go up. So, no, it's interesting. The sexy SOE. Yeah, you can also have even the really stodgiest Dallas companies, China Telecom. Nobody's favorite. It jumped 34% on its debut in Shanghai. It's already Hong Kong listed and was forced to delist from the US earlier this year. But its dividend payout ratio has been about 40%, creeping up from the 30s for the last few years, not going anywhere dramatic. Just before it listed in Shanghai, it pushed that up to 60% and has promised to get to 70% within three years. Sexy and exciting, no. Profitable investment, quite possibly. Yawen, I guess on the whole uninvestable side of the argument, 
there are the valid concerns about President Xi's attitude towards the private sector in the future. And I mean, we've seen like ByteDance, for example, just put a government member on its board. A lot of the, the moves that the government made, especially with data, appear to be like basically trying to put data in, the, in state hands, um, which appears to be a transfer of intellectual property and value from the private sector into the hands of the state. And then these other concerns about his interest in American style consumption economy. Um, so far, everything he's doing is, is reducing consumption, right? Like we're going to spend less on education services. We're going to spend less on alcohol and cigarettes and property. And at the same time that the state is going to be taking a much bigger role in the technology sector and, um, and playing a much stronger ball, kind of restraining the property sector, which is a huge economic driver. What place do you think Xi Jinping sees for the private sector 10 years down the line? That's, that's a big question. I, I just want to first clarify a little bit. I think there are, there are a, a few different conflicting goals here. I mean, I still think Xi Jinping wants more consumption. For example, the crackdown on property. Um, one of the major arguments was that, you know, when, when the, the pressure from housing expenses are so high, you're depressing household consumption as well. So to the government, at some point they have to act on you know certain things before they can boost consumption for example and that's obviously a problem for like jewelry houses and you know people who just want to buy investment homes for speculation as for your question on how do i see the private sector 10 years down the road um i think for example if we look at what's happening in the chinese e-commerce space right a reshuffle is really happening companies are like Alibaba, Pinduoduo, JD, they're all, first of all, they're really changing their strategies. They used to rely so heavily on exclusive contracts, subsidies, and they just wanted more market share. And the successful stories were really clear from, you know, what happened to Meituan, what happened to DD. They just consolidated, you know, after beating all the smaller rivals. And I think that kind of market scale is probably not a feasible goal at this point. They really have to pull back. But I still think they have a competitive edge in their base. The the question is whether the government will take over, you know, what we call the assets of the new age, like data. Will they claim ownership and just reduce the private giants to service providers? I think that's a big question. Do we think that maybe it will be less ownership than oversight? Yeah, I think that's the right question. I think the private companies are quite concerned with that question. I mean, in some light, you know, ByteDance may be glad to have a government bureaucrat director on its board because it helps it stay out of trouble. You know, like they, they can say, well, we were guided, you know, you've got the guy inside, so you're not getting in trouble anymore. I mean, the interesting, the, the interesting thing about the ownership of data, though, is sort of separable. I mean, I think they want both in some cases, but the data is really interesting because that's what blew up the DD IPO. And, and that's really what's freezing the pipeline of IPOs in New York, you know, or, or is this kind of this new, well, it's not new, but this regulator that's stepped in, the CAC, the Cybersecurity Administration of China has stepped in and is now saying, well, we get to give the thumbs up or thumbs down on these IPOs. And um, at the same time, it's interesting that the the central bank has tried to establish an ownership stake of the, the credit scoring system they're coming up with, right? So the private sector, companies like Alibaba are basically being asked to donate. Well, not totally donate, but um, they get token shares, but to like hand over a bunch of like their consumer borrowing behavior data, 
you know, to a state-owned enterprise. And that's that's a direct transfer. And that's an ownership issue, not an oversight issue. Are there any other sectors that are that are in queue for 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 the mount, as it were? <laughs> who's who's gonna get this next? Well, I think the the knock on alcohol shares haven't really officially come because it has so far just been state media reports citing you know the markets regulator is summoning all the companies for for talk um the, the details haven't been revealed so there might be further space to fall and i think it's widely expected that the medical services industry will be um, in for an overhaul as well basically anything regarding people's livelihood i think currently is at risk um, if it's not going towards the communist party's direction and goals Okay, well, you heard it here, so we'll stay buckled and keep covering this. I'd like to thank Chen Yawen and Jennifer Hughes for joining me. I'd also like to thank our production team, Katrina Hamlin and Sharon Lamb, for helping put this together. And I'd like to thank you, our listener, for tuning in. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Newsroom. Check out our content at breakingviews.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify, and tune in next week. Thanks again.